It's a Friday. Yeah, weekend right around the corner. Good morning. Eric Carpenter here. This is KCVL, KCRK. Good to have you with us. Did you make it to the Northeast Washington Fair yesterday? Well, if you didn't, you've got today, Saturday, and Sunday. A lot of activities at the fair. We'll be talking more about the fair coming up in just a little bit. The last city council meeting, a request for bids for the installation of the compound fencing project, discussed, decided by the council. The uh, project, uh, they, they accepted the bid from Idaho Fence from Post Falls. Their bid came in at $49,409, well below the other two bids. Spokane Northwest Fence Company at a little over 84000 Camino Island Fence at 94000 The installation going to include a combination of 10-foot and 6-foot tall chain-link fence, a vehicle gate, a main gate, also, the post fencing, the obscuring slats, the contractor going to supply all the materials. They uh, don't have a start date set yet for this uh, homeless outdoor shelter project. Is still waiting to get the contract signed in that, but that... Uh, the next phase of getting that ready, a place for the homeless. Experience, technology, satisfaction, a written warranty, and over 30 years' experience. That's what makes Davis Auto Rebuild stand out from the rest. At Davis Auto Rebuild, customers are our number one priority, and we realize how difficult it is to be without your vehicle. So we make it easier for you with loaner and rental cars, and also help with your insurance claims. Call Davis Auto Rebuild at 684-3137 or stop in at 1175 South Main in Colville and see the Davis Auto Rebuild difference. Well, if you've been listening over the past months, you know that uh, I'm pretty, pretty disgusted with the city of Colville and having a planner that not only doesn't live in Colville, but, uh, but lives in Sandpoint, Idaho. How how the city can expect any kind of uh, planning when somebody doesn't even live in the state? Well, the city has been paying. The Aaron Qualls is uh, the one that is uh, always here with the city. They uh, this year have a forty thousand dollar contract. Okay, next year. They want $72,000. Something for you to think about. Okay. We've got a planner from Sandpoint, Idaho. Right now the city pays $40,000. Next year they want $72,000. Uh, by the way, this company and Aaron Qualls, uh, they got quite a deal going on because they're also uh, the ones doing all the housing uh, work for Kettle Falls. Sounds very familiar with another Idaho company that uh, has a lot of contracts, a lot of work for the city of Colville. But uh, anyway, just thought you uh, you would want to be aware. 
of where we will be going next year, keeping the city planner from Sandpoint, Idaho. <sighs> Planning Commission. Zoning. Monday, talked a little bit about how the city of Colville is kind of falling right into, intentionally or not, this great reset. Um, I got an email from a fellow who uh, moved here five years ago, lived down in the, uh, or down in Oregon before coming to uh, Colville, the Hillsboro, Oregon area was really familiar with what's been going on in Portland. And he came here to Colville for, uh, one, he wanted a nice retirement house. Came here because he liked what was here. Then he wants to keep it like it is. And his concern is that we are adopting the same things that have been pushed by the feds, the state governments. He watched uh, where Hill, Hillsboro in Portland reduced the number of parking spots at uh, new apartment buildings and condos made it one car per unit. Says all that did is people walk to a nearby neighborhood where they park their cars on the streets. His opinion, we don't need the plan like that in Colville. Says he learned in graduate school to ask the question, what problems are we trying to solve? Well, the proposed zoning changes are a solution looking for a problem. Uh, he's not happy with the proposed homeless camp. Says if that happens, it'll just attract the very problem that we're trying to solve. What we need here is more industry that attracts a skilled labor pool, incentive to work instead of living off the government handouts, and zoning that does not replace single-family housing. Have to agree with him. He moved here because he wanted, he liked it. He liked what he found here and doesn't want it to change. Single-family housing is what we have been built on, not living in government-funded, government handout housing. And somehow, some way. Enough people have to get it through the heads of the planning commission here and of the city council that we want affordable single-family housing, not uh, 
Just big government complexes. You know what I really like best about Saunders Furniture? Saunders lets you buy off the floor. If you see what you like, you could take it home tonight. In fact, Saunders Outlet is stocked with Ashley Furniture. And I love watching customers come in, point to what they want, we wrap it up and load it out. It's so simple. Delivery is available. Check out Saunders Furniture and Saunders Outlet for your instant gratification. Well, it's pretty normal that uh, whatever uh, Newsom down in California does, Governor Jay Inslee's right on his coattails. Didn't take any time at all. Governor Inslee says Washington is going to follow California and prohibit the sale of new gas-powered vehicles by 2035. The uh, regulations haven't even been created yet, but Inslee says in a tweet that it is a critical milestone in our climate fight. California's policy requires 100% of new sales of passenger cars, trucks, and SUVs to be powered by electricity or hydrogen by 2035. One-fifth would be allowed to be plug-in hybrids. The Washington lawmakers, brilliant people that our House and senators are, they passed the law directing the State Department of Ecology to adopt California's emission standards as they are rolled out. So, you know, I, I can put a lot of blame on Governor Jay Inslee, but uh, really it is your senators and your representatives that rolled into adopting California emission standards. Having an electric car and having a plug-in hybrid electric car, I can tell you that for this area, they just plain don't work. Uh, the Seattle area, they would work pretty well. But here, once our temperatures drop, um, it just don't work. And uh, it's got to be government. It's got to be that government uh, pixie dust stuff that makes these guys think that electric vehicles, no gas-driven cars, no new ones sold by 2035. Two nuclear waste storage tanks continue to leak. So the state of Washington and the Department of Energy reach a deal. The waste left over from the production of plutonium for nuclear weapons down on the Hanford Reservation, back from World War II through the Cold War. 70 tons of plutonium was produced. Uh, the Energy Department estimates are that Tank B-109 is leaking 560 gallons of waste per year, and Tank T-111 is leaking about 300 gallons a year, and, yeah, federal government, 
leaking radioactive waste in the state of Washington. They, they've tried to put some pressure on the feds, but... Yeah, it just keeps leaking into our soil. Hey, on a lot brighter note, it is the Northeast Washington Fair and the Fat Stock Sale. That is a huge event at the fair this year. Going to have a few changes. Here's Scott Nielsen talking about the Fat Stock Sale. My name is Scott Nielsen. I am the president of the Stevens County Gentlemen's Association. And the Fat Sale is coming up associated with the fair. It's August 27th, that's a Saturday, in Colville at the fairgrounds. It starts at 3 o'clock. It is between the beef barn and the hog barn. They set up the bleachers there and have a podium and a ring, and that's where we do, we call it the Stevens County Cattlemen's Association Fat Sale. And it's a market livestock animal sale, and these are the animals that are raised by the kids to be incorporated into our food supply system. And oftentimes the livestock market sales are run by the fair organizations, but in Stevens County, we're unique. We've had livestock market shows and sales in our area since before we had a fair. And these shows and sales were originally facilitated by the Stevens County Cattlemen's Association. We're proud to continue that legacy. And for us, it's always been about promoting excellence. That's why the Stevens County Cattlemen have always run it. It was just something we were doing before that got incorporated into the fair. We've just always done it. As a function of the fair, we have nothing to do with this part, but the barns select market animals. They have the different animal classes, the beef, the hogs, the sheep, and the goats that are market animals, and they have their market classes. The barns decide how to do that, you know, various awards for all the different classes. They have classes that aren't market, you know, that are fitting and showing and all of those kind of things in the different market classes. A lot of times they break those down between 4-H, FFA, and then this year we have the Grange also. Again, the barns do that, not the Cattlemen's Association. So when they come to us, what's different this year is there will be one Grand Champion market animal and one Reserve Champion market animal for each species. Again, the beef, the hogs, the sheep, and the goats. They will be recognized for their outstanding achievements. Their animals will sell first for the grand champion and second for the reserve for their class of animal. And then after the sale of the animal, we'll have a photo opportunity for the animal, the showman, the buyer. And then this year, we're doing a monetary award that we're giving to each of the showmen that, that wins the grand reserve, congratulating them on achieving excellence. They will be given an additional cash award of $100 for a grand champion and $50 for a reserve champion. And we're trying to make kind of a big deal out of it. We've got little banners that they get and they get to take with them. They'll be included in the photos. Um, the idea is the photo is valued by the buyer. So hopefully they get paid a little more for their animal for the opportunity to get the photo and then to get those into the media. And so we do this for the kids. They're the future of agriculture in Stevens County. And I encourage all the public, I encourage you to come down and support the kids. You can buy the animal right from the producer. We've made arrangements with our local slaughter suppliers. If you buy an animal, they'll put the animal up at the fair, take it to their facility and process it to your specifications for you. You pay for the animal, you pay for the processing, and you know where your food came from. And you're getting a really good quality animal. You know, these things are 
properly taken care of and the kids are learning good lessons, it's a good place to go to get your food. Or if you prefer, you can just support the kid by the buying of the animal where you just support the animal. When you support an animal, you partner with a floor buyer. They will offer a set price for the meat and then they keep the meat when you buy the animal. And so it's a good way for folks if they don't have the freezer space or don't have the ability, they can support the kids. Somebody else takes the meat. All right, there you go. And that uh, coming up on Saturday. Well, of course, the kids, they really like the zoo barn. They can pet animals. And here's information about one of the more popular attractions for all the kids. I am Shelby Andrews. I'm in charge of the zoo barn, which includes the poultry, rabbits, pocket pets, reptiles, exotics, fish, and reptiles. The unfortunate thing is we're not going to be able to have poultry because of the poultry virus that's been going around. But what we are doing is having the kids show with stuff chickens still being able to do their showmanship the kids get to choose whatever costumes they want to design for their animal and then we do a costume contest we're gonna do a rabbit hopping con contest which um we kind of did last year but getting better equipment so See, last year they also did. I did, had them do goats and chickens and whatever, and whatever they wanted to try. It's an obstacle course. They have to hop over. It's like a dog agility course, but it's for rabbits. We haven't really had a petting zoo, but we've had exhibitors show off their animals and allow the public to pet their animal. We haven't really had a petting zoo. But we've had exhibitors show off their animals and allow the public to pet their animal. Okay. Zoo Barn down at the Northeast Washington Fair. New rules went into effect this Wednesday that all gun owners, uh, you might have missed uh, some of this, has to do with ghost guns. One gun rights advocate says it's connected to also some ATF activity that's raising concerns. Here's Cam Edwards. On Wednesday, the Biden administration's new rules for ghost guns, basically unfinished frames and receivers, gun parts that hobbyists buy and then they turn into a gun on their own. These new rules regulating these unfinished gun parts are to effect unless they're halted by a federal judge, which doesn't look like that's going to happen. So this is part of, I really believe, a weaponization of the ATF uh, on the part of the Biden administration. We saw these rules announced several months ago, but since then, we've seen Steve Dettelbach confirmed as the ATF director. And we're watching some really troubling developments around the country, honestly, where ATF agents are showing up at people's homes apparently because they bought more than one firearm in a you know fairly short amount of time. And they're asking without a warrant to see these guns. They're asking all kinds of questions about the gun purchases. Ostensibly, this is about cracking down on straw purchasers, someone who buys a gun for someone who's not legally allowed to own one. But there are a lot of questions about why this is happening now. And really, I think, aggressive nature of the ATF and showing up at gun owners' homes without a warrant as far as we can tell, and asking all this information. So Iowa Senator Joni Ernst actually wrote a letter this week to Merrick Garland, the attorney general, demanding some answers about this, specifically wanting to know what kind of probable cause 
are you getting before you go to these people's homes? Are you getting a warrant or are you just showing up and hoping that uh, folks will talk to you? So this is something that we're watching very closely in Washington, D.C., and I'm a little concerned that this is really only the beginning of a much more aggressive ATF under the Biden administration. They're not entering these people's homes. They're doing what's called a knock and talk. So basically, they'll show up uninvited, unannounced, knock on the front door and say, hey, you know, we're with the ATF. Did you purchase a gun on such and such a date? What about this gun on such and such a date? Do you have those guns? Can we see those guns? And again, they're doing this without a warrant. So you are entitled to say, no, I'm not going to show you my guns. I'm not going to talk to you. And in fact, there was one sheriff in Washington state who said, listen, if any of these agents show up at your door, you call my office and don't talk to them. You let us know what's going on. Again, it's disturbing that we're seeing this from the ATF. To me, it seems to be needlessly provocative, needlessly combative. And frankly, the Justice Department under the Biden administration is routinely handing out probation for individuals who are convicted of straw purchases. They're not asking for prison time. They're going along with a federal judge sentencing these folks to probation. So if we really want to get serious on the illicit trafficking of firearms, you don't do that by showing up at gun owners' homes. You do that by ensuring that there are consequences in court for people who are convicted or plead guilty to this crime. So when you buy, I believe it's more than two firearms within a, let's say, maybe a 30-day period, basically there's an extra report that's generated as a result of that, or when you go through two background checks to purchase a firearm, the ATF is alerted to this. Now, that's not evidence that a straw buy has taken place or that there's gun trafficking involved, but since the ATF is getting these reports, apparently now they're following up in person with at least some of these individuals who may have purchased two or three firearms over the course of a month, which, again, is not evidence of a crime, certainly not probable cause that a crime has been committed. But this is something, again, that gun control groups have been asking for. They say that it will supposedly cut down on gun trafficking, but right now it just seems to be increasing the harassment of lawful gun owners. I think that this is probably going to continue. I am glad to see Senator Ernst bringing some attention to this. Most of the media hasn't covered what's going on, so hopefully this will bring a little bit more attention to it. I don't expect we're going to hear much of a response from the Biden administration other than the boilerplate language of, you know, we're going out there and trying to protect Americans and keep them safe. But I really do think this is the beginning of a much more aggressive ATF under the Biden administration because they know that they can't really get their gun control plans through Congress. So that leaves the executive branch and the ATF being the agency that oversees enforcement of our nation's gun laws. That's the logical place. Now that they've got an anti-gun activist installed as ATF director, I think we're going to see more of these moves aimed at legal gun owners and, frankly, the firearms industry in general. The good news is we've got groups like the Second Amendment Foundation, Gun Owners of America, Firearms Policy Coalition, and the NRA who are all pushing back on this. There are multiple lawsuits that have been filed. There are going to be more, I think, in the weeks and months ahead. And this is how we hold their feet to the fire. This is how we ensure that they're operating in compliance with the law and with the Constitution. And it's why I encourage every gun owner and every Second Amendment supporter to get active, get involved, get engaged, support an organization that you think is doing good work out there because this is a supercharged moment for our Second Amendment rights. And it's very important that we continue to defend them until they are strong and secure. All right. We we did check around Washington State. Uh, we did have two county sheriffs that uh, are concerned enough. Uh, Clickitat County Sheriff, um, he became concerned after a resident of Clickitat County. Well, they 
the ATF showed up at uh, the man's home and coerced him without a warrant to inspect his firearms. Uh, also with Klickitat County, Benton County Sheriff says he will defend citizens against federal gun right violations. He says law enforcement is not allowed to inspect your property that includes guns without probable cause. It says get a hold of his sheriff's office if ATF shows up at your door. So Klickitat County, Benton County, got a couple of good sheriffs there wanting to protect their citizens' rights. Foggin Brothers Lumber, a leader in the forest products industry, is now offering a free forest health checkup. If you have 10 or more acres of timberland, Vaughan Brothers Lumber can help you determine if your family's forest is healthy and fire resilient. Schedule your free forest evaluation today by calling Vaughan Brothers Lumber at 684-5071. Vaughan Brothers Lumber, adding value to the forest for people, products, and the environment. Mitch Haniger hit a three-run home run in the first inning, and that accounted for all of Seattle's offense. Marco Gonzalez tossed six strong innings. The Mariners a 3-1 to one win over Cleveland. Seattle took the opener of a key four-game series between playoff contenders in the American League. The teams will play six more times over the next ten days. It could be a postseason preview. Cleveland, they are in first place in the Central Division. Seattle, they are hanging in there in the wild card spot. Um, Cleveland's only run came in the first on a double and an infield ground ball. It's a night game today. Game two. Of the four-game series, the Mariners and Cleveland. Six o'clock pregame. That'll be on 92.1 KCRK. It's the final preseason game for the Seattle Seahawks, and that's coming up this afternoon. The Seahawks down at Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Three o'clock pregame kickoff at 5 that will be on KCVL. Man, it's a foggy morning. You know, we got, got a little bit of precipitation at the lightning storm. I, we did not get the downpour gusher that uh, down in the Chihuahua area yesterday, late afternoon, they just had a just a real downpour down in the Valley Springdale area, uh, Valley Springdale, Chihuahua, that whole whole area with the uh, thunderstorm. Um, should be up around 90 degrees. It's going to be hot and muggy today. 47 overnight, possibility of some thunderstorms on Saturday, and that could mean some more hard shower activity. 
Sunny skies on Sunday, 79 for a high, sunny and 87 on Monday, 92 Tuesday, 97 Wednesday, sunny and 93 Thursday. Aside from right with the thunderstorms, we really still not seeing any kind of precipitation. Uh, the barometer still above 30, 30.05, no wind. And 59 degrees. Kind of a cool, foggy morning. A uh, quick reminder, Colville Airport still closed, doing repair work up at the uh, Colville Airport runway and the taxiways. 7.39. Thanks for joining us. It is a Friday morning. I'm Eric Carpenter. And this is KCVL, KCRK.